Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Right, everyone, we have an awesome guest today, so I'm gonna not delay any more and switch over to the interview screen. Whoop. And let me make it so I can see my intro. Meowdy folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities and all opinions are the speaker's own. This is a live streamed podcast recording that will be distributed in the future and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. To ask a question, please write in the chat or in the AMA channel on Discord and a moderator will pass it to us if they deem it relevant to the conversation. We also wanted to say today on the live recording, happy Indigenous Peoples Day and happy National Coming Out Day. So everyone, my name is Gender Meowster. I use they, them pronouns and I'm your host for today and I will let my guests introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Mori. I'm a Mexican Indigenous streamer, I'm also Two-Spirit and I have two dogs, or not two dogs, planning on getting two dogs. We were just talking about getting my second one, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I have a mini schnauzer, his name's Nigel, and then I have a little baby hedgehog, her name's Basil. But yeah, I mostly stream. I work at home when I'm not working. I'm doing my other hobbies, <laughs> which is mainly like gardening, cooking, and video games that I don't really play on stream because you got to separate them sometimes. Otherwise, they don't end up being as fun. It's true. Yeah, there are. Yeah. I definitely have games that I don't play on stream and games that I do. I'm curious what you use to decide which ones you'll stream and which ones you won't. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. There isn't really criteria. I think it's just like I stream the games that I notice I have more internal dialogue <laughs> with. Like, for example, like Stardew Valley is really fun for me mm -hmm. to stream because I'm usually talking through with myself with all of the different little tasks and projects I want to do in my farm or there's just like an endless list of tasks to complete for coins and stuff so that one's a good one for me to play on stream or like apex too because I get aggressive <laughs> so sometimes I like to not talk mean but you get a little rough yeah but like with like sims I don't usually play that because that's a game that I usually zone out in really easily so I'll forget to talk <laughs> if I play that on stream I'm trying to think of what else yeah, I think it's most like simulation games. I try not to really play on stream because those are the ones where I really like zone in, lose track of time. We're playing the Why Are the Links Broken game. Yeah. <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> oh, I see what I did wrong. I put the period in the wrong place. Let's oh, see. yeah. It's a small detail. So before, before we went live, we also talked about neuro wonderfulness. And how we might both be ADHD. Prep rituals are very similar. The thing that I forgot to mention to you before stream, which I feel comfortable sharing on stream, is if there's any stims or anything that you need to do to be comfortable and oh, yeah. please feel free to do that. I got my little twirly, <laughs> twirly guy going on. I got on. my cube. Cool. So yeah, just so that you and the audience knows, like all of that is totally acceptable and welcome behavior. I want people to feel comfortable during their visit and not like they have to mask and be perfect and yeah, do it yeah. right. 
Yeah, I, I tend to fiddle my hands a lot or try to keep my body busy during these kinds of things. So this is definitely really handy because it has a bunch of different little on it. I love yeah, fidget cubes. It's great. I was listening later. Yeah. Uh, Mori held up a fidget cube. I have a rainbow one somewhere. It used to be in my uh, Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> kit. Is it one of those tie-dye ones? Because I was so close to getting that one. Oh, it's like striped rainbow, like oh, full, nice. on, full on rainbow nice. cube, but it's, I think yeah. it's downstairs somewhere, so I won't fetch it right now, but they're nice. pretty fun. I love fidgets. Yeah, yeah they're great. You should add that as a question. What's your favorite fidget? Show us yeah. your favorite fidget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite fidget, for sure. To jump into things, so you are, you identify as Two-Spirit, and one of the cool things that happened as we were setting up is you realize the Two-Spirit tag exists now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I swear every time that I go to stream and I put my tags in, I like whatever I typed in before wasn't popping up anything for Two Spirit. And then you told me it's like spelt out entirely and it has a dash in between it. So that's, I don't think I ever typed that in probably. Yeah. Because otherwise I feel like spirit. I would have known. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Yeah. We actually. So yeah, I learned that today. My So my friends and I have an ongoing link tree. I can't remember the command for it right now, but I bet I can dig it out. For all of the feature requests in Twitch that we want, and that was on there for a while. So there's the link tree in chat. It's no angel 13 with underscores between the things. I'll put that in the resources in the show notes too. I don't always talk about Twitch stuff, but since we're both streamers, I thought I'd throw some of that in too. Yeah, um, yeah. So these are just Twitch feature requests that we have. So for example, we've got pronouns native in chat and that request has been out there since 2019. So that's been a pretty long, Yeah, it's, it's a feature request people have wanted for a long time. There's the hate raid bot analysis. There's increasing these subscriptions split to 70%. So if you have a Twitch account, you can upvote any of these for free, no money. You just log into Twitch and upvote them. It's a great way to support all of these content creators who need help <clears throat> stop censoring trans in chat increasing the number of tags we i spend so many tags describing my identities it's i can't even tell you about the game mm -hmm. or if it's my first time because it's, it's all, i'm spending it all on identity stuff make identity and accessibility tags permanent add neo pronouns and multi-pronoun tags make umbrella tags like lgbtqia automatic epilepsy warning auto tag that would be great if the yeah. game if yeah. the game has epileptic flashy stuff or whatever like just automatically include that. That'd be pretty cool. Adding trans man and trans woman tags and adding a spectrum tag. So those are the the feature requests on there. Nice. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of conversations about adding like different varieties of like sobriety tags too, which is something like I would like to see too because I've been alcohol free for over a year now and it's quite often that you see like alcohol like really influenced in people's streams and stuff and mm -hmm. there's really no warning for that when you go into them and sometimes that environment's a little overwhelming without knowing what you're going i love the idea of that being a thing like a sober tag do you know if there is a feature request in for that i've seen or can recall right now okay that'll be fun for me to research after stream yeah and i can't remember if there's even like a basic like sober tag or not either i think so because i feel like i would have used it by now yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I um I love that. I also am not one who partakes in the alcohols, so Yeah. yeah I have I a wish... long history with it. <laughs> I'm done with it. I wish there was tone markers like that you could say wholesome or like spooky or Yeah, whatever. yeah. 
That would be cool too. That is an entire stream all by itself. Um, and that's not today's stream. So I'll make some notes and think about that for another time. Yeah. But you mentioned, so you joined the Discord server, which was so awesome. And you you wrote an intro, which was super cool too. I noticed that you wrote that you absolutely love talking about astrology, death, and other dimensional beings. And so I'm curious, what of those <laughs> concepts are particularly fascinating to you today? Is there anything about it on your mind? Did you like draw the death yeah. card in tarot this morning? What's going on? Tell me all yeah, about it. Yeah, I think for like maybe the past four years, really since right after high school, honestly, I started dipping my toes into like alternative spirituality at first like i was looking into witchcraft because i was like the mainstream thing at the time so it was like a lot of pagan and wiccan stuff i was learning about and that kind of introduced me to like astrology and tarot and all that stuff and astrology really stuck with me because it's just like space <laughs> like some like people made sense out of space and i thought that was really fascinating and then i guess death and other dimensional beings tie into that too with astrology and then just alternative spirituality practices because I'm an ex-Christian I grew up Christian with my family but recently got debaptized about a year or two ago I'm not atheist I've always had like a feeling of not necessarily a higher power but there's definitely beings that we can't see with our three-dimensional perspectives so doing a lot of research on that has been really fun and interesting for me to I don't know, <laughs> find a different kind of meaning in the world than what I was taught for the most of my life. I love that so much. Oh, I got much. a question. I got a question. We're, you did, yeah. We're actually, we're similar on some of those journeys that you mentioned, yeah. which is so fun. I also, I grew up like no particular religion. And then my great rebellion in my teens was to go to Christian youth group because I had friends who were and I wanted to be in, in the in crowd. So then I was Christian for a decade. And then I got real gay, happy national yep. coming out day, and came out in college. And all nice. the Christians I was running around with, at least half of them were really knocked down. I was in like two groups. Yeah. One was not cool. One one was. They actually got the off-campus advisors kicked off of campus for a year because of how badly they handled the whole situation. Oh my gosh. It's a whole thing. Like the campus chaplain <laughs> got involved like on my Ooh. side and it was a time. Uh, TM. Yeah, I bet. Oh like, my gosh. People, people still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. later on wow. Imagine being like memorialized that way. Yeah. That's that's great. <laughs> yeah, I think I separated myself a little bit earlier. I think I was maybe like 12, 13. And I'm not even sure what made me like flip the switch. But I think it was just like entering a new environment because I went to an entirely different city for high school. So like I met like a bunch of different kinds of people that just like introduced me to a bunch of different things. So my curiosity broadened really quickly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. For me, the big sort of changing point or turning point was I was in Christian seminary. I found the gayest one I could find in Berkeley, California, which is nice. like super like of the 50 yeah. <laughs> people in the incoming class, 48 of us were LGBTQ. Nice. Like almost all of us were some flavor of gay or trans. <laughs> and I was stealth mode trans. I didn't realize I was trans yet, but, but I was still, I was very lesbian at the time. I'm still somewhere between lesbian and pansexual. It gets weird when your gender yeah. is like all the genders. Cause then it's, am I still a lesbian if I'm all the genders? Yeah. yeah. Face strokey question marks go here. Yeah. But I, I was in Christian history class and Thanks. they were talking about colonizers. Fuck the colonizers. And I was just listening to the colonization of the Irish 
and how the Christians came to Ireland. And when St. Patrick, I put air quotes, St. Patrick drove out the snakes, more air quotes, that was the Christians murdering indigenous Irish people with their indigenous Irish practices, which is like my background. I'm part, I'm not all Irish, but I'm part Irish. So like my indigenous ancestors were getting Mm. murdered and all the terrible things. And then people celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And I'm like, no. And that's so odd that you say that actually, because my stepmom's mom is like full Irish Mm -hmm. and she's full Irish pride, but in that way, in the colonist way. And it always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. So similar to why I don't celebrate Columbus Day, I also don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day because they're both colonizer holidays that appropriates indigenous traditions, earth-centered spirituality traditions like pagan, Wiccan, other indigenous earth-centered practices. So anyways, long story (laughs) longer, (laughs) that was the moment that I was like, I'm done with this. But it was really, it was awkward changing religions in Christian seminary, getting a degree that I'm paying money for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I feel that because like I got baptized and went to Bible school and everything and got my first communion and all that. And then I just stopped going to church at the age of 12 and then later found out that I could get de-baptized. And so I did that. And so now I'm I'm just fully free. I've never heard of getting de-baptized. Can you tell us more about that? And I will get to the question that T Sugar Salt asked in a couple minutes, but I just I'm so curious about this. Yeah. With deep baptism, I actually have a mentor figure in my life. He's, what's it called? What is the, what's like the top hierarchy name for like high priest? That's what he is. (laughs) He's a high priest and he had a similar childhood with me and he made it known to me that you can create a ritual like custom to you to get deep baptized and just kind of just rid yourself of those like binds that you made that you weren't like actually consenting to when you were a child. So the de-baptism process that I created for myself, I basically just I basically just took palm leaves, the palm leaves you would get at church. I forget mm-hmm. for what event, yeah. <laughs> but palm, palm I got, yeah, I got some of those, made a cross out of it and just burned it and just had like intentional thoughts throughout the whole thing and just making sure like I knew in myself that I wasn't connected to that spirituality anymore. I haven't been for years and I'm not committed to it. And this was just like shutting the door for mm-hmm. me and finalizing yeah. it, make sure there are no like ancestral ties or anything left on me. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You can make the ritual what you want it, um, make the symbol that you want to destroy or get rid of or just symbolize like getting rid of that contract. You make it your own which is really nice because I thought it could have been like a whole thing where you maybe have to go back to the church and goodness yeah like something creepy like that but yeah no you can just like straight up do it everyone in chat is a fan (laughs) if any of y'all if any of y'all have something like that going on in your life go ahead and do it (laughs) burn something that symbolizes that past and just get rid of that history I love that that's one of the beautiful things about earth-centered spirituality is you are your own spiritual authority and community and so you get to decide do i or do i not want this what do i want my ritual to look like and you get to make your own meaning so thank you for sharing that that beautiful ritual with us that's really cool so tea sugar salt's question is how do you approach tarot philosophically 
Oh, yeah, that's a good question, because I know there's, there's like a big discussion about the rule of three and like witchcraft specifically, when, like when you're talking about tarot or even just like with like spell work and stuff. There's like the thought process that whatever you put out into the world, you receive threefold. But I don't necessarily abide by that because that is more of a Wiccan pagan concept. And I don't necessarily identify with that. I'm a big believer in karma. And if karma is just in a situation you're just acting as a tool and mm -hmm. tarot cards are also a tool that'll help you with that process so that's how i see it i do understand the rule of three though because especially when you're doing like dark magic or black magic and you don't know what you're doing that can happen to you yeah what you put out can come back to you threefold yeah mess with the wrong spirits accidentally you can get in trouble <laughs> totally to pivot a little bit, the next couple questions I have are about your youth, if you will. What was it like growing up without queer language? And when and from which sources did you learn queer language? Yeah, I touched on it previously about like switching schools from going to a different like school in a different city. I think that was one of the big introductions to like gender language for me because I was still really young and the high school I went to was middle school through high school. So there was a lot of confused kids in that high school and like all of us were trying to figure out what we are who we are and where we want to be in the world and stuff and I met a lot of different kinds of people there and I made a lot of different kinds of friends there and like a majority of them were queer and trans so I learned a lot from them and those were my first conversations and like introductions to like transgender culture queer culture and like just like the whole spectrum of queerness out there because when I was a kid I wouldn't say I was necessarily sheltered but neither of my parents did not have any queer language in their life they're both millennials that grew up in a small town exposure wasn't that accessible to colorful people <laughs> yeah alphabet yeah, people yeah. yeah peers having a peer group having people in your life like that are yeah. it's really a big it's it makes a huge difference. That's part of why, for example, our little Discord server is important to me, at least. It's like yeah. we, spend, we spend hours upkeeping it and making it awesome every week on top of moderating it and engaging in it because yeah. we want that space, especially with pandemic and everything that happened and everyone being home. I was just sitting here imagining, you're, imagine you're 18, you just went to college, you just started discovering your, like, queer as hell and then yeah. you have to go back to live with your parents what do you do the, the server is one of my responses to what do you do is come hang out yeah. with us online yeah. in the privacy of your own home like yeah when you can't go to the student union you can't go to the whatever come here we are you found us yeah, definitely. don't be alone <laughs> it's dangerous yeah. don't go alone yeah love you. yeah and i definitely found a community like that like going into high school which was so great because i honestly wouldn't have gotten through high school without them mm -hmm. and I'm really fortunate to have found like an even bigger community now as an adult and meet so many people that have like similar experiences as me it's a really good feeling after being starved <laughs> for a decade like your first decade of mm -hmm. like existing yeah is there a particular like friend that came out that their story really resonated with you or like how did you stumble into the two-spirit identity or piece? Like yeah, I think 
I had one friend in high school who later came out as transgender, like in our like senior year of high school. And I think I knew previous about like transgender culture and just like, just like how someone would transition and like how like someone would go through that kind of journey. And I, he was like really open with his experience too. He would talk to me a lot about like his feelings and like what questions he was like asking himself and just like the whole whirlwind of like identity crises you have during that kind of journey at such a young age too. So he was definitely like a big influence into just educating me on like the things that I didn't know already. And then I don't even think like I started questioning myself being trans until after graduation, honestly. I think it was just because of the pressure of fitting in and like being as normal as you can be in high school, like really got to me. So once I got out of that, it was really easy for me to just step back and check in with myself and ask those big questions for myself. Yeah. So I'm curious, this is one of the questions that we discussed earlier today. What would you like to say to folks about discovering their indigenous heritage as adults? Because not everyone figures this stuff out when they're a youth. Yeah, I found out a year ago that I had indigenous roots and only because I just asked my grandma one day because I enough about the spectrum of like indigenous identities and that there isn't like obviously one way to be indigenous and I was just like I never know my family never talked about it we just we just all knew we were Mexican so I just asked my grandma one day just to see if she knew and she did know and then she ended up sending me like a screenshot of a map of the it's like exact location where like our tribes came from and I'm like why isn't this talked about I could have known this so much sooner but yeah honestly like just ask questions. Like if you have like elders in your life still, just ask them because you really never know. And if you don't, just do as much research as you can, like whatever's available. Like I know there's very limited knowledge on the internet just because of colonization and white people. But I've learned a lot even from like just YouTube documentaries or I've even stumbled across like really like old like 50s 40s films about indigenous cultures like cultures and stuff the knowledge is out there you just got to get creative with finding it yeah yeah i i have a dear friend who's here in the chat actually helping out who as a white person has tried to honor the indigenous people of their local land by learning their language and trying to like keep it alive by learning it and engaging with that process yeah that's awesome i think it's really it's cool and important to keep those alive because the yeah. the people are here we're st- yeah. we're all still here yeah and it's oral history it's absolutely yeah it's very cool stuff i've seen not so much in the united states but at least in canada i've seen signs that are written in indigenous languages that tell you the name of the place and so at least learning enough of the language that we can read the signs for those of us who are not either not indigenous or not that particular tribe because yeah, like the yeah. language varies wildly across all the states and the country and the yeah. world yeah that's cool anyway yeah it's all yeah, i have something similar from where i live minnesota at least in the cities they're trying to incorporate more of dakota language into like street signs and like our lakes and stuff I'm, like there's a big lake by my house that they returned its original name to because it was renamed after what's I don't forget what his first name is he was like a corporal or something Calhoun 
that's what the the lake was named after. So there was like a whole big petition and stuff to return its Dakota name back to it. And it worked. And now it's spreading all over the place. So now all the names are being restored for all the natural landscapes here. And it's really nice to see. That's amazing. And I fully support it. Yeah, that's great. Mirami in the chat mentions, I learned a ton about the people of the area by taking language classes as well, partly because it was taught by elders, which was amazing. That's awesome. Nice. I love that. It's just like you, you learn from your grandmother, your own elder. And it's, my grandmother has a ton of genealogy, but it's, if we don't ask for it, she's not going to like force feed it to us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what like my grandma's like too. Like everything's just so hushed. Yeah. For what reason? Luckily, we have the opportunity to talk to our our elders and get the history. It's so cool. I do have a follow-up question for the tarot from earlier from T-Sugar Salt. To clarify, who or what do you consider yourself to be talking to with tarot, or is it something else to you? Yeah, it's fluid with tarot for me. Sometimes I just welcome an energy into a deck that I'm working with. Sometimes I do use it for divination. I am planning on using tarot to hopefully reach out to my grandpa, who I suspect suspect to be roaming around my house because I caught an orb on camera the other day. And my first introduction with my tarot deck, I asked my deck what kind of lessons and like energy it would be bringing to me. And it said like a masculine paternal figure. So things are adding up. (laughs) So I am planning to use a tarot deck in that way, but usually I just open, like I just open my box, hold my tarot and just ask it for an energy to work with and just get an answer. Like I just ask questions to my tarot and then get results out of it from like the cards that I pull. I'm still pretty new though. I still have a lot to learn. I am taking a class for tarot reading. Yeah. I love that. One one indigenous practice that any person could engage in, no matter what your racial heritage, is connecting with ancestors. Because everyone has ancestors. Yep. And so I love that I love that you're talking about working with your possible grandfather, some yeah. sort of maternal paternal masculine yeah. energy. As I mentioned earlier too Go ahead. that yeah. I am growing his favorite flowers in my yard right now. So <laughs> I feel like he came over to go see them. That's so nice. I love that you're. I love that you're honoring your ancestors in that way. Yeah, I try to because he died before I was born. He he died in '94, um, and I was born in '98. And I've always talked to like my partner and my grandma, his ex-wife, that I've always wanted to meet him just because of all the stories that I've heard about him. And um, I feel like we would have gotten along really well. <laughs> so, really hoping that my inklings are correct in that spirit lingering around my house is my grandpa and hopefully not Mm -hmm. something else yeah and there's so many cool like things to discover i for me personally when i work with ancestors and this is so topical since we have Samhain coming up at the end of the month too it's important to work with your bright wise and well ones You don't want the ones that have unhealed trauma, that haven't done the work. You want the bright, wise, and well ones. Not all of our beloved dead are equally healthy for us to engage with. Nope, and that's why I haven't reached out to all of them. (laughs) And there's also, like, incredible work that can be done, like, healing that family trauma, too. Yeah. Through through ritual, through meditation, through trance work. Yeah. 
Anyway, you said you like talking about spirituality, so here, I'm bringing it. Yeah, I'm bringing my yeah, A-game. No, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, and just even adding on to what you just said, too, just even, like, existing as who I am today is also, like, cutting a lot of generational curses and patterns and stuff. I would like to think so, <laughs> because I was always pretty made out to be, like, the black sheep mm-hmm. stereotype, so I'm just doing my best. <laughs> I think you're doing great. I'm Thanks. so thrilled that you're here today. <laughs> Also, for Thank anyone you. who's listening to this later, Modi has these really great kitty ears going on their I headset, guess. and it's a really good look. They change colors. I don't know if you can tell. A, it's a green-blue situation going on. Yeah. They usually fade like into rainbow, but sometimes they're a little too bright to even notice. I think they're really fun. Yeah. They're pretty cute. Cat ears was the only reason why I bought them. That's a really good reason to buy headphones. Right? Yeah. Okay. How has your relationship to gender evolved over time? So we've talked about coming out, but the, I mean, it's National Coming Out Day. And at least for me, what I've learned over the last handful of decades is you don't ever just come out one time. It's an ongoing thing. And my identity and my relationship to both gender and sexuality changes over time. Turns, it's not like I just came out as lesbian once and then I was done. There was all this other no. stuff that I went through. And so I would love to hear about your evolution, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, like I didn't really start questioning myself internally until like after high school. And I think when I first did like those in- instro- introspecting like questionnaires, I think I mostly identified with like non-binary at first because that's like the language I was exposed to. I identified as non-binary for maybe two, three years. And then like during that time too, I was constantly questioning myself (laughs) to verify that I still felt that way and pretending all that good internal gaslighting stuff going on. As I kept on just like educating myself on like gender terminology, I started maybe leading a little bit towards like gender fluid, gender queer identity. And then once I started my reconnecting journey with my indigenous roots, I found out about two-spirit identity, and that just rang a bell for me. That felt like the perfect shoe size for me, because I think I never felt without a feminine or masculine energy in my life, and then I never felt like I was in between either. So now, like today, I think I would describe my two-spirit identity as having equal feminine and masculine energies, but still healing my feminine energy from like my past and the trauma that came from growing up AFAB and all that stuff. So I think that's about the gist of like my general gender journey. I just started like diving deeper and deeper into queer communities and just like exposing myself more and more to Mm -hmm. the education and just being open to it because the questions kept on coming (laughs) for myself. As a only slightly related side note, have you ever heard of Compass Rose Productions? I don't think so, no. So Scotty is one of the folks over there. They're a, it's a Twitch channel, and they are indigenous tabletop role-playing game streamer channel. So you show up, and it's a bunch of indigenous people playing tabletop games. Nice. And Scotty was actually on the show. I forget the episode number now. It was a while back. Maybe half half the episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere in the teens, I think, we had Scott on to talk about yeah. being two-spirit. And so we talked about being two-spirit and about tabletop games. Nice. And if you're looking for some 
more indigenous content from folks yeah. who some of them are discovering their identities or indigenous identities now as adults and some of them have known for a while they're a fun channel to go watch and support and it's very everyone's really kind there yeah. it's super nice like I don't. I have a feeling Scotty's mom isn't here because she would have chimed in by now if she was. But she's often in the Twitch chat hanging out for this, and so it's fun to have the camaraderie. Yeah, I've been definitely meaning to dip my toes into the online tabletop communities because I played D and D a handful of times in real life with some of my friends, but it was always really casual and we never finished a campaign or anything. But I would like to commit <laughs> like fully to a campaign. Yeah, um, well, it is really fun. I miss doing. They do wonderful streams. Ink and Stories, who's here in the chat, has also been on many of their streams, nice. and they do all kinds of like fundraisers and things. Actually, one nice. dice from them for one of their giveaways. But like to enter the giveaway, you had to donate to any one of these like eleven different nonprofits. Nice. Some of them are about nice. gender. Some of them are about different indigenous based things but it was very cool and ink and stories just asked about do you know about kite and crow i mentioned to you this would probably come up today so i've i've heard about it i don't think i know like the full like theme and or like concept yeah that's okay i'm happy to tell you a little bit yeah. so kite and crow yeah. is a tabletop game made by indigenous people who are indigenous to turtle island for everyone to play they just request nice. that you respect the the setting so it's yeah. an alternate timeline in sort of Turtle Island, known to colonizers as North America, where the colonizers never showed up and indigenous people Ooh. like like advanced yeah. society. And so it's, oh. it's got cyberpunk futuristic tech stuff going on, nice. but it's all super like yeah. indigenous. And so yeah. it's like Path of the Owl, Path of the Crow, Path of the Fox. Nice. Like those are the like classes or what have yeah. you. So it funded on Kickstarter in 45 minutes. It made over a million dollars on Kickstarter. Oh my god. And they just dropped two trailers on YouTube today as when this recording is live. And the full game is available next month in November. So that's Coyote yeah. and Crow. I think it might yeah. even be coyoteandcrow.com. I'm not sure. I'd have to go look it up. But yeah, it's very cool stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely looking into that. For sure. So yeah, I would love to so play cool. it. I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get it. <laughs> that sounds so fun. I totally like back to the monk kickstarted and was like, <laughs> excited pause. That's so Ooh. awesome, too. 45 minutes. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's Carding Curve. Please do hydrate. Let's see. So I have one, two, three, four. I have five questions left, and we've been live for 54 minutes. We've been talking that whole time, but I want to check in with you and see yeah. how are your spoons, how's your attention, your needs, your schedule. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I got nothing else planned for the day. <laughs> okay, cool. Because yeah. I, I wanted to honor your time, and you said you wanted yeah. to do one hour, so yeah. just checking no, in. Yeah, I'm having fun. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's good to hear. So what is it like deconstructing gender in the Latinx community or communities, yeah. plural? I think it's, with my experience, it's mostly just been, I would say, reintroducing language to these communities because in our history, there's always been a lot of queer culture, like all the way back to pre-colonization. There's evident queer culture. Being that colonization happened, that language has been lost having those conversations and just introducing just like terms like two-spirit even to like the latinx community has been my main experience especially with my like my family on both sides 
because they've all been very Americanized (laughs) and a lot of them aren't very forward with doing their own research. So whenever I have the chance to, I bring up (laughs) the topics. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, like, in in Spanish, everything is gendered, male or female. So that's like a whole... That's a whole other thing. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, And that's like something that I've never really, well, I used to really try to learn Spanish to the point where I could be fluent in it, but just now being where I'm at, I don't care (laughs) for it too much because it mm -hmm. is the colonizer's language and it's just so backwards to see that like people my age or even just like elders like a generation or two up from me um have so much criticism for people that aren't fluent in spanish it's very backwards to see but you can understand why they are that way so just having those conversations too about just like remembering the indigenous languages and like how much of like fluid culture we had before colonization and gendered traditions quote-unquote traditions (laughs) yeah so is there any is there anything or what rather i'll ask an open-ended version of the question what surprises you the most about being gender wonderful in latinx communities it's it's almost sad to say but having to like seeing acceptance for being not cis is really is a surprise but it's like the best kind of surprise because even just a simple just like coming out is hard finding people in the latinx community that are very open and welcoming for like transgender and non-binary and two-spirit people it's a surprise but it's the best kind of surprise and i hope it becomes less of a surprise and just more of a norm yeah i find myself wondering about um like quinceañeras and if trans women ever get quinceañeras later yeah yeah and, and if that's there's always a masculine a- version of a quinceañera i don't yeah um, is there a quinceañero i don't know that's actually funny you mentioned that because from my experience quinceañeras are for anybody and everybody in my and just like my area of the city when we were teenagers i remember there was there was this boy from a different school that he lived in Minneapolis and he had a quinceanera and he called it a quinceanera. He didn't really change the language or anything. He did all the same traditions. And I think he even wore like a dress too for the ceremony part. But then he also did have a suit too to change out of if he wanted to. But that was really nice to see. It was really cute. It was a really cute quinceanera. And and then like even trying to, there was another quinceanera that I went to <laughs> that it wasn't like a cis girl. I don't remember at the time. But yeah, I've been like really surprised with those kind of experiences because when I was growing up, I thought that quinceañeras were only for little girls because that's all I knew. I have five sisters and we were all planned to have quinceañeras. We didn't even think that anybody else could have quinceañeras, but I found out that's not true. So cool. Yeah. That's that's at least two things I've learned today. Yeah. <laughs> Probably I've learned more and I already forgot because... <laughs> it's fine. It'll come back to you after we were live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Another question I had for you is what are thoughts on egg hatching? Which for those in the chat who maybe don't know what that means, it's realizing you're not cisgender or you're not the gender you were assigned at birth as an indigenous person. Yeah. I think I don't know. I like 
because if I wasn't, I didn't really identify as indigenous when I realized I wasn't cis, mm-hmm. but even still, I was like a person of color and like part of a marginalized community. So in that aspect, I think I like once I started questioning my gender and stuff, I like also knew that there would probably be more pushback from like my communities and stuff if I decided to openly represent that part of myself just because of the whole colonization thing and with my experience so far like as a kid I think whenever even I would like dabble with like boys clothes I would get pushed down so hard for even wanting to do that I'd be called like a tomboy and that I was like teased for wanting to look like a boy So I think that's a really like evident experience or just even like a recurrent experience with, if not indigenous, like a lot of BIPOC kids. I feel like that's a really big part of our realizations when we're doing those questions. Can you share with us a moment of gender euphoria? Oh yeah, this is like my favorite answer that I wrote down to remember. It's one of my anecdotal stories. I love that. All right. I made like a short TikTok about this story a while ago but when I was a kid I was put into dance classes so there was a point where I was in two different academies one of them I was taking jazz tap and ballet and then the other academy I was just doing Mexican folkloric dancing so with my ballet experience I ended up auditioning for this Russian production for the Nutcracker when I was like eight I want to say it was me and my three sisters that all went into it we all got in obviously but that experience was like mostly negative for me because I experienced like a lot of fat phobia and just like bullying <laughs> from like white Russian women at the end of it when it was like the time to perform at the oh, where did we perform it was like it wasn't like um it wasn't a sports place it was like an actual theater so it was like a really big deal. And I remember when we got our costumes or we were getting assigned to our costumes, our roles were just like all of the roles in the class that I was in, we were just like party goers for the Nutcracker. So we were just like background characters. So we didn't have like names and like specific roles or anything. We were just like categories, categorized as boy dancers or girl dancers. Mind you, there was like two boy dancers in like the entire um, production. And I was casted as one of the boys. I love that. So I got this cute little green sparkly suit. It had matching tuxedo coat and like floofy dress pants. And I think I had a little green bow tie too. For most of that time, I don't even think like I took it in an offensive way. Like in my head, I was just like, oh my God, I look like a boy. Like (laughs) you guys think I look like a boy? Can I look like a boy if I put this on? So I was like wearing that costume like way more than I should have. I was just like, I was just wearing it. (laughs) I I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, yeah. And they had to slick my hair back. I had a tight bun to look like I had short hair and stuff. That was definitely one of my first moments of gender euphoria that I remember. And it's one of my fondest memories because it's just such an innocent little story. That was like something that I didn't really think would be a big deal to me. Like today, I just thought it was like so like great (laughs) that like people thought I could pull off being a boy. And I would look at myself in the mirror and be like, yeah, I look like a boy. That's so wonderful. That actually reminds me of a similar story that I have. I was in college and I was in this like dance crew as a club for extracurricular activities. Nice. And and I did I was in a tango dance and I was one of the people that was put on the the lead or the masculine side of the tango pile. 
of folks. And I remember it being so great that I was the lead. And I also remember my dance partner had terrible breath. (laughs) So the two things I remember about that, if I dug really hard, I could probably find a, a video of that somewhere. But it's pretty funny. It's interesting how folks pick up on that. Just carrying the multitude of genders with us. Yeah. As we move really- through. I love that. It's it's magical being yeah. a, gen- a gender wonderful being. It's So I had my anniversary dinner with my wife yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It's our first wedding anniversary, October 10th. So cute. And, and we went to a fancy restaurant. And the women's restroom was totally destroyed. I don't know what happened. Probably, I don't know if everyone went to church and then went to this nice restaurant or if everyone's birthday happened at the same time or what. But like all of the paper products were totally gone (laughs) of all the places. This is a lot. And I told the folks and then half an hour later, still destroyed. They hadn't addressed it yet. And I was just like, wow, this is a lot. So I walked into the the men's room because I was like, I'm all the genders. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't even matter. If I don't talk, they may not even pick up on it. Because I was dressed pretty masculine. I had a tie and a little suit and my little brown shoes on and whatever. And and I walked to the men's room and all the paper products were there. And I was like, go figure. (laughs) But there's like all these secret rules that I don't understand about the men's room. Don't talk. Don't make eye contact. I'm, I don't have to deal with picking which urinal to use, but there was a guy at the urinal right next to the door pillow. for the, yeah. the bathroom and so it's or the like toilet stall. And so I was trying to get in the toilet stall and he was standing there and I felt like <laughs> the hair on the back of his neck go up when I walked behind him. And I was like, I, we're not supposed to talk. I don't know what to tell you. This is the women's room. I'd say, excuse me, but we don't yeah. talk here, I guess. I don't know what to do. This is so weird. Anyways, I got in there and I was trying to use the toilet and someone was like, started tried the door when i was in there oh, like no. the, didn't yeah. knock didn't say hey is anybody in there just tried the door and i was like what the fuck <laughs> and anyways i was too shy to f- sort myself out because it was way too weird in there but all the paper oh, yeah. products were there and <laughs> so i washed my hands and got out of there and then my wife and i proceeded to have a 10 minute conversation about it because she's a trans woman so she's like <laughs> yeah. been there done that and we yeah, were like yeah. texting about she was like let me know if i need to come in there and taekwondo someone and i was just like <laughs> oh babe that's so cute. So, anyways, yes, 10 out of 10 would marry again. Brackish is oh, yeah. asking if I'd marry my wife again. I would in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great Dude. anniversary. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, it was just, it was an experience. It was interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. New gender experience. So strange. <laughs> yeah. So strange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I always thought about, too. Because when I go to the malls and stuff, like, the women's bathroom line is usually long as hell. And mm-hmm. I don't want to wait for it. But then, like, I also don't want to walk into the men's bathroom by myself because I'm, like, five feet tall and, like, 100-some pounds. <laughs> so I'm a very kidnappable hear- person. <laughs> I hear that. I hear yeah. that. And my wife passes as female, so she's not coming to the bathroom with me. Like, yeah. we go to the women's room, we get to go together, which is nice. But yeah. Anyway, so I've decided that since I have all the genders, I can go to all the bathrooms until they decide to make one bathroom for all, which is actually the best plan. Yes. Yeah. And I like seeing that actually happen. Like, it's Mm -hmm. it's slowly happening. Like, I see it happening a lot more in schools now, Mm -hmm. which is really nice. I wish I would have had something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trans Capybara has solved it. What you need is, like, bathrooms with floor-to-ceiling doors. And just only yes. stalls, no urinals. Yes. No. <laughs> One giant bathroom with shared sinks for everybody. Done. Yes. Yep. 
One bathroom. Could be so simple. Just don't put a gender on it. All the genders can use yeah. this bathroom. Because yeah, everyone's watching everyone, so yeah, it's you're not going to get into mischief. Everybody poops. Everybody poops. Yeah. All right. Now that I've had my say about bathrooms, thanks for letting me <laughs> get on my little podium about bathrooms <laughs> for a minute. What would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary or trans issues? Uh, I think I feel like the theme for all of my points today was to talk to your elders and I'm going to say it again, connect and respect the elders of all of your communities. That includes trans and um, non-binary and LGBTQ plus elders because they are the blueprint Mm -hmm. and they still lead a lot of movements today and they're still here. And yeah, I think that's my main thing. I love that. Yeah. At our wedding a year ago and a day, a year and a day ago, we invoked the queer ancestors. Yes. As part of our ritual that we designed. I love that. And my son, who hates being on camera, yeah. record, recorded the whole ritual. So if nice. anyone wants to see like a very queer, trans, witchy wedding ritual in a field yeah. surrounded by trees and crows. Oh, um, that was so beautiful. Yeah. It was 33 minutes, the whole thing. And it's on my YouTube channel. So there's the link to the YouTube channel right there. It was great. The other thing that I will share a resource for trans elders specifically is this book. It might be reversed. I don't know. To Survive on the Shore by Jess T. Dugan and Vanessa Fabre. It's actually a channel point redemption. If someone, I don't remember how many channel points, probably one, two, three, four, because that's my special number with my (laughs) spouse. But if someone redeems channel points, then we actually will read an entry from the book on stream. Nice. But it's a nice hardcover. It's got full color pictures inside. You've got nice. like one one page that's the picture and one page that's the story from the person transcribed into the book. And it's a wonderful way to connect with elders. And many of them yeah. are still alive today. One of them and I became Twitter friends. That was fun. So it's that's um, so cool. Yeah, I totally I totally agree on the importance yeah. and joy and delight of connecting with trans elders and getting that blueprint. Yeah, yeah. I love that so much. This has been a total blast. Thank you so much for showing up and being awesome in our general direction today. So we have your link tree to share with everyone. Let's see, let me fix that. So if we look at your link tree, you want to tell us about some of the things that are on there? Because I know it's more than just your social medias. Yeah, in theme of today, Indigenous people say there are a couple links in that link tree that will send you to the Stopline 3 website. There's still petitions and donations to contribute to and then for a more local issue here in minnesota in my neighborhood specifically actually across the street from my house the city is trying to go forward with a plan to build another public works factory in our neighborhood that is already experiencing the highest amount of air pollution in minneapolis and this factory would only increase that there's links to information on that and then there's also an autofill email that you can send out to city officials to spread the word about it and really push for them to sign off on this alternative plan that was created by a local organization to instead build an affordable housing Mm -hmm. and greenworks i think they called it they want to include like an indoor garden and stuff too in a community garden they're really close to getting approved for that so if you guys could take five minutes to send an email that would be really great so awesome and um, but then, I, yeah, other than my I socials. And your and, Venmo and Ko-Fi are there. Yes, yes. If you enjoyed um, this, go throw money at our wonderful guest. 
Yeah, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> Helps them get a new phone and pay the the cute animals. Tell us about yeah. the hedgehog again. Yeah, her name's Basil. Um, Basil. She's sleeping right now. She's a little over a year old. I've had her for I've had her for a year. I think I got her when she just turned about one. But yeah, she's a cute little potato. She comes out at night at around like 10 p.m. for dinner. So then. I get a couple hours of playtime with her before I go to bed, and then she's up until four in the morning running on her wheel. But yeah, she's a cutie pie. I'm really glad I was able to get her because she came from a not-so-great home. Yeah, she's actually my second hedgehog. I had my first hedgehog when I was, I think, 15. (laughs) Yes, spiky potato. (laughs) So cute. So fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is Um, really fun. I like this a lot more than the panels I've done. It's a lot more chill. We do we do try to be chill around here. Yeah. It's it's true. I am trying to look for a raid target for us. I'm struggling a little bit. Maybe I should just do that. There we go. Now we have five options. I will say thank you so much for being my guest today, for being here. You're a streamer, but you're not streaming today. When is your next stream? When can we come say hi? Um. I will be streaming Wednesday, and then I'm also doing a charity stream Friday night for Ghouls for Charity. We're um, raising money for the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund. We're currently at $2,000 last time I checked. So if you guys want to tune into that, there's going to be somebody streaming before I am, but we are streaming every weekend of October. So if you don't catch me, there's going to be other streamers this weekend as well. Love it. Yeah. For some reason, all these channels are offline. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. And I'm going to find someone for us to go say hi to. Yeah. Um, friends, Isilamori Mori on Twitch. And all of your different socials are in your link tree. And if, Mori, if you wanted to hang out for a minute after the raid, I'd love to just yeah. check out and make sure we clean up and get all the links yeah. in the show notes and things. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, this is fun. So everyone, I switched to my just chatting screen while I awkwardly poke buttons. (laughs) Thanks for showing up, everybody. Okay, so I have tried to find a streamer using the indigenous tag who's live with peer-to-peer.live, and it's failed a couple times. But I'll tell you what, we're going to go say hi to Brooklyn Michelle, who has been on the show, is indigenous, is down in either Australia or New Zealand, I forget which, but is close by. Not close by. The opposite of close by. Yonder. Sorry. I need my pain meds. <laughs> but yeah, Brooklyn Michelle is a trans streamer who is super awesome and right now is playing... Oh, i got to make sure I spell this right. Brooklyn underscore... She's playing Genshin Impact right now. So it has English, ADHD, pansexual, indigenous, invisible disability, and transgender as the tags for now. It uses she, her, goddess pronouns, which is always fun. We will be back for the next three days with video games here on the channel. Non-binary, comfy, cozy, fun times. And yeah, I think we'll see what games I end up playing. I may do the ones on my schedule, but I think the Skyward Sword with my recovery may not happen. I might have to do a substitute game. I'm sure people would be fine if I played Stardew Valley instead. It's a good one. Or we could do Breath of the Wild, which is another Zelda game. We have the the DLC that we haven't played through on that save. So got some options. I'll think about it. Thanks everyone for showing up and I look forward to seeing you later this week. Bye. <laughs>